it's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse, nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other, we are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope. They've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking, we're on our dime. Hey church, rise up! It's our time. Good morning. How are we? Good? Good morning. Uh, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Kesset. I want to welcome you. Uh, when we watch a video like that, a couple different things happen. One, I get really pumped, right? Don't you get a little pumped when you watch something like that? You get excited. Uh, I'm a part of a legacy of faith that uh, we've been studying in the book of Acts, and we'll continue to do so today. Uh, a legacy that is thousands of years old. And that's exciting that I'm a part of that, and I get to be a part of bringing that forward. And then I also watch a video like that, and if I'm not careful, and I'm just being completely honest for me, there are at times um, elements of shame and guilt that creep in. As I look at the cost that people have paid over history and time to um, proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And then I look at my cost. And I'm not sure they're equal measure. And so sometimes I have this pressure to do more or to say more. And so we're going to have a conversation today because I think I'm not alone in that. I think we hear uh, messages like that and there's something I have, I've better, I'd better do more. I'd better do more. What I want to do is back up from that idea of just us doing more today. And, and each one of us, each one of us be able to Look Jesus in the eye and know that we are boldly proclaiming our faith in the way that we are designed to do, in the context, in the culture, and the way that we are designed to do it. And it's important that we ask questions like that. I want to start with um, one question to begin with. And again, I'm going to start with this idea of this is not about guilt or shame. This is about us telling the truth as a family of faith. I want to ask a question. What word best describes how you live out your faith? And I'm going to give a couple of options here, okay? What word best describes how you live out your faith? First one is bold, right? Are you bold about your faith? Now, we're going to spend some time today defining what bold means, because I think when most of us think about boldness, we think loud. We think of Probably someone like me standing up on a stage and proclaiming loud to hear, but boldness comes in many shapes and sizes, and it's very, um, 
It's very possible that I stand on the stage like this and then the rest of my week has nothing to do with sharing that Jesus is Lord through my life, right? But this is for you to use these questions as a filter, okay? Bold. Second is this, consistent, safe. I added safe for me, to be completely honest, because uh, I think being honest with you, I think that's where mine lands sometimes. I'm pretty consistent in my faith, but I think that can borderline into um, desiring safety uh, above all else sometimes. And the last one, undercover. Is the faith that you have on display for the world to see. When I say that, I know that some of us in this room f- feel a little, a little bit of conviction on that. And that's okay. We're, we're okay with conviction here. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us all the time. What we want to do is have the right response to that. Not everyone is supposed to stand on the stage and shout, but all of us are to proclaim with our life that Jesus is Lord if we say that we are a Christ follower. Every single one of us. And our journey together this morning is for you to leave here today with a clear understanding of what yours is, a clear understanding of who you are to witness to. And then how am I going to do it? What posture am I going to take? Um, Because it's a big deal, right? It's the biggest of deals. Um, I just got back from a youth camp this last week. All right, anyone ever been to a youth camp before? Yes, amazing time. We went up uh, to Camp Jonah and had an awesome time with middle schoolers and high schoolers, and we survived as adults, so that was pretty cool um, as well. I wasn't sure. I'm 35 now, and I didn't know if I was going to make it, but I did. And if you've ever been to a youth camp before, um, doesn't happen every time, but there's oftentimes something that happens. See, I get an hour and a half every week with our students in our youth group, okay? 90 minutes. And if I'm lucky, I get like 27 good minutes, right? The rest of the time is phones and whoever's cute next to them and two rows up and everything else. There's a lot of, there's a lot of distraction going on, right? If I'm lucky or my leaders are lucky, we get a few good minutes with our students throughout uh, the week. But when we go to a youth camp, we get like three straight days away from distraction, away from normal rhythm, and they are next to the influencers that are Christ followers, that are encouragers in their life, that are, they're in messages and in sermons and in chapels that are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, and they're in it. They are around it. And something normally happens during that time, whether it's at camp or directly after they get shaken loose a little bit. Their faith that is somewhere inside of them, maybe dormant, kind of starts to pop out a little bit. We saw that happen at camp this last week, and we especially saw it happen as we gathered back again for our youth group on Wednesday. And we're starting a new series, and we're gathering some questions for our kids because we live in a different world now. We live in a very unique culture. and We've been asking a question, um, what do I believe? As Christians, And we're just asking our middle schoolers. And it was incredible how raw and honest and brave they were to ask these questions. But what, what stood out to me was the actual questions being asked. Right? And this is just where our students are at. And I think this is telling of where our culture is at. The questions being asked weren't about Jesus. They were about issues. They weren't about whether Jesus is Lord. They were about... What does Jesus think about this issue? What does he think about sexuality, about forgiveness? And these are important questions to answer, but they're not the most important question to answer. The first question to answer for all of us in our life is, and we have to answer this every single day as we rise, is, is Jesus Lord, right? Is he the ruler of my life? Now, we're, we're going to spend some time with our students answering these questions, but our job is not just to get sidetracked into discussions and arguments about specific issues. Our job is to bring them face-to-face with their risen Lord, and it's on them, the same way as it is on all of us, to make a decision from there. But we now live in a culture that's a little different. 
We live in a culture that theologians and experts would call a post-Christian culture, which means this. A post-Christian world is one in which Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion, but has gradually assumes, assumed values, culture, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian. Not merely a society in which agnosticism or atheism or another world religion is the prevailing fundamental belief, but a society rooted in the history, culture, and practices of Christianity while rejecting, ignoring, or even forgetting its core beliefs. We're now living in a culture where more than ever, especially our younger generation, it's okay to cherry pick. It's okay to say, I like this about Jesus, and I like this about this, and I like this about this, and I don't like this about Jesus' teaching, so I'm going to push that aside, and I'm going to create my own truth and my own way inside of this. And we as a church have to decide individually and collectively, what will our response be to this? How will each of us proclaim that Jesus is Lord? And then how will we answer questions the questions that, by the way, are coming and will not stop coming. So, so will the church run and hide and build a bunker to say, world, if you just get it right, if you get your beliefs right, you can come in? Or will we find another way that stands inside of culture, not giving away our beliefs and our core convictions and finding a way to stand on truth that's loving and kind but centered in truth. That's our job. That's a big job. Can we admit that? That's a really big job that, that the God of the universe has placed on us. But the, the beautiful thing is, is we don't do it on our own power. We're going to read a story today from Acts chapter 4. Uh, we've been in a series called Rise, studying, beginning to study the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke. It's one narrative. We just call it two different names, but it's one narrative. We're going to actually today continue a narrative on a story that Danny started telling last week. If you haven't uh, heard it yet, really encourage you to listen to a podcast or a sermon online. But um, last week, Danny taught that uh, the, the stand-up leader of our church, Peter, was a part of a healing of a man who had been crippled for 40 years. Right? And what we saw in that story was nothing short of miraculous, nothing sort of supernatural, that a man who had never walked was dancing. How incredible he was dancing. And so if you were a witness to this or heard about this, wouldn't you be excited for this man? Wouldn't all your energy just go to say, how amazing for that man? The problem is in our world, that's not where everyone's energy goes. And as we'll see in our story, the religious leaders of the day didn't really care that this man was healed. They cared that the person that did the healing fit into their structure fit into their religion, into their belief system. And so we pick up today in chapter 4. Peter uh, has just healed this man, and they continue teaching. It says this, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Just recently, this was a group of a few people that had grown to about 120 people. And all of a sudden now we pick up our story, and it says just the men were about 5,000. So you can imagine the religious leaders that murdered the leader of this movement had something to say about what was going on. Obviously, killing Jesus didn't do the trick to quiet these people. Stories goes on to say this. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. Pause. Again, I say this as much as I can. I love the scriptures, and they are, it is so necessary that we understand context. This is one of those ones that you can just read it and be like, cool, the author's just saying there are some people there. Doesn't, I don't know them. What does it matter? Question. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? Ever had a traffic ticket before? You don't have to. Yes, some of you are like, oh. We're, it's okay, all right? I mean, I've never had one, ever, ever. Uh, 
So I've heard from a friend that if you get a traffic ticket, some ticket sometimes, you have to go before a judge. And if you've ever done that process, it's a little scary at first, but you see pretty quickly that this isn't the highest court possible. There's normally a lot of people in there, uh, and the judge is going to give you a little bit of time, but you're kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of things, okay? Now imagine you get a traffic ticket, and, you, and they tell you you need to go to court um, on this day, and then you go to court, and instead of one judge and a lot of people on trial, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is in there. And instead of them being a um, impartial uh, judges, it's very clear that they care about which way this decision goes. And on top of that, you get no legal representation. It's just you. It's just fishermen you or whatever job you. All right? That's the place, that's why our author shares this. Where this was a traffic ticket in the scheme of life, it wasn't because the religious leaders brought the big guns. They cared a lot about this traffic ticket that was happening. So that's where we pick up our story. <clears throat> and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Healing the man. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was re rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, no, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter, how did you do this? You know, Peter, Peter with, a, with a smile, I'll tell you how this happened. Had nothing to do with me, by the way. I didn't do any of it. I showed up. That's what I did. But through the name and the power of Jesus Christ, this man, and remember, I don't think the man's standing over here. I think he's still dancing, all right? If you... If you couldn't walk for 40 years and all of a sudden you could, you're trying out those legs every chance that you get, right? So he's dancing over here. Is it you want to know how this happened? By the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, there is no other name that leads to salvation. And he just lets that truth kind of float in the air, right? He just lets it sit there. Unashamed. As he, re as he reads this, don't hear rudeness, though. Just hear truth. He just shares the truth and lets it lay as it does. And says this, Now when they saw the boldness, and this is our word, right? This is our word for today. The boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, people let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of of Jesus. Now pause the story. Your story. This is this has gotten very real all of a sudden. These men murdered Jesus. Peter and John are proclaiming truth and then it just got very real. Okay, you can that's fine. We're not going to condemn you for what you've done, but you better stop. And with that you better stop comes a tone of or else in there. And they have a choice as to how they will respond. The same way that each one of us, every single day in our lives, has a choice as to how we are going to respond. Now, most of us, this is just honest, guys, most of us are never going to be drugged before a court at, at any point or arrested in our life just for teaching about Jesus. By the grace of God, hopefully that never happens to any of us. We live in this country, and, uh, 
But there are other ways. There are other ways that this world and culture press in on you and they say, you need to stop talking about that Jesus. You, n- no more. No more of this Jesus business. That makes me uncomfortable or insert whatever word you'd like to do. That makes me feel this way. But you need to stop. You need to stop. Let's look at Peter's response. But Peter and, and John answered them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened for healing the man. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. They say to Peter, and can you imagine your boss coming in with a stern look and says, hey, I I really love your work performance. I find no fault in that, but um, I've heard that you are a Jesus follower and you need to stop. Or a friend or a family member or insert whatever situation that you are continually in. We are confronted in this culture as we live as followers of Jesus, whether it's audibly or just kind of there, you need to stop. And what's Peter's response? Kindly no. Kindly no. It, it starts with kindly, but no, I'm, I'm not going to stop. Um, we celebrated a national holiday this last week. Super Bowl, right? Everyone celebrate? <laughs> It's one of our national holidays. Um, And the right team won, by the way. Uh, (laughs) It's okay if you're a Patriots fan. It's okay. Um, But I don't know if you watched any of the stuff around the the broadcast, but one of the broadcasters that's continually on um, NBC, his name's Tony Dungy. He's a uh, former coach and outspoken Christ follower. And he, in talking about the uh, before the game started, um, basically said uh, that he had spoken to Nick Foles, who is the quarterback of the Eagles, who is another Christ follower, and said, you know, just talking to him, getting to know him a little bit, seeing that he's a Christ-following man, and Tony being surrounded by other Christ followers in his life, he basically said, you know, the character um, qualities of a Christian man, will, I think, will help him be successful in this game. Right? When you, when, as we hear that, I hope we hear you know, um, hard work and delica- dedication and diligence, uh, right? discipline, right? faithfulness. These are words that so those make you, help you be successful in a lot of arenas in life, correct? That's what we hear. The rest of the whole world went crazy over this, right? Went absolutely crazy over this. And criticism started flying in through social media like it does anymore. Uh, And people started to say things like, um, NBC does not pay you uh, to preach. You need to stop talking about Jesus or faith and only talk about sports. That was was the nicest version of what they shared, okay? That was the nicest version. And in the same way, Tony Dungy has a decision. I mean, on some levels, his job may be on the line, right? That's... And we could say that from afar, but if you have a job that provides for your family, that's a really big deal. That's, let's not make light of this. And so, like Tony Dungy often does, but with grace and kindness, um, as he was asked, you know, NBC doesn't pay you to do this. He, he responds and he said, NBC pays me to give my perspective, and that's my perspective. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then he continues uh, to say, is there something wrong with me saying that uh, being a follower of Jesus Christ will, will help you be successful. He's not saying, by the way, that, that God likes the Eagles more than the Patriots, though he might, right? <laughs> He's not saying that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? He's not saying that. He's not, he's not shoving God down people's throat. He just made a, a decision. He looked at this person and his character and said, I, I think this, he might be successful because of this in his life. And everyone, or a lot of people dislike that. And so Tony just responds when they said, be quiet, Tony, about that. These are my words. He said, kindly no. Kindly no. See, Peter said, 
whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you have to judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. There's a verse in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says, if I tried to not speak of what God has done in my life, I will burn from the inside out. There is a reality in our culture today. And maybe you're a part of it. Maybe you have a community that's built and you haven't experienced that yet. But I live in a couple different worlds. I, I do a lot of the discipleship and groups and studies and um, uh, programs of Kesed. And I also do youth ministry. And so I live in a couple different worlds. And the ones where I'm hanging out with our te- teenagers, they are asking questions. Um, and my job as a leader is to graciously receive those questions, but always point back to the real question. Is Jesus Lord? In my life, he is. In my life, I do the best I can to follow him imperfectly, repenting when necessary, imperfectly listening, and hopefully being guided by him. But my job is, let's start with that question. Instead of just being, and, and I shared this with the first day of service, and I'll say this to you. I'm friends with many of you on Facebook. I'm friends in general with many of you. I'm friends with many of you on Facebook. And you know this crazy thing that happens? I can see your feeds, like when you comment on other people's things. I don't know if you knew this or not. And so when I say our response as Christians should be kindly no, there's a lot of us that don't start with kindly. <laughs> that means to matter to us. We see a method in which we respond to a hostile culture about what we believe. That means to matter to us that our response is kind, that it, that it starts in love, that we remember the fact that everyone, everyone started apart from Jesus, and that it is only by the work of the cross and his resurrection that we are invited into relationship with him. And it was nothing that you did. We, we stay in the Christian team for long enough that we forget things like that and we judge others, right? And we like that Tony put them in their place, right? Hopefully Tony, with character and integrity, models out what it means to be in a relationship with someone that you disagree with, that you, you heap honor on them, you show respect to them, but that you are willing to draw a boundary, a boundary that says, Kindly, no. We don't align in that area. I'm okay to continue in relationship with you, but kindly, no. I think God looks at us and he watches us, and we are continually in situations like this. We were given the choice, is Jesus Lord? From the big ones to the small, minute ones, the the emails that we pass around, men, the gossip that we partake in, the way in which we talk to one another, that we show honor to one another. Every single decision is another way to proclaim Jesus is Lord. And I think God looks on and he's witness to that. And as a loving father, as a, as a, a being with feelings, I think he cares. Um, this last week, uh, as happens every day, I drop my son off at school. He's seven years old. And we have a little rhythm of what we do when we go to school. It's uh, basically the exact same thing every single day. We get him into the classroom. We take his backpack off. We take his homework folder out and his lunch out. We put him where he needs to go. And then I got to go to work. And so we do hug and kiss, right? Hug and kiss. My son is very affectionate, okay? He is, uh, so oftentimes I get double hug and kisses, which is awesome, by the way, right? Hug and kiss, hug and kiss, very affectionate. So uh, on Tuesday, I go to drop him off, and uh, I like to kneel down and give him, uh, just be on his level and give him a hug. And so we do a hug, and we're in the midst of hug, and kiss is next. And um, I love this. I'm an affectionate guy. And so, uh, but as we're hugging, his cool friend walks up and is standing right next to us and rudely doesn't wait for our hug to end and says, hi, Micah, right? And... Our rhythm is hug, kiss, right? Boom, boom. There's no break in those things. And he hugs, and he backs up, and I watch his eyes, and they look at me, and they look at him, and they look at me, and they look at him, and they look at me, and what does he do? He double hugs, right? And I saw it happen in him, and my heart went, oh, right? Like, and here's the, I understand 
Like he's seven and he's wrestling with those things in his life. And he, we'll talk about this. That's a good thing. I'm going to, for sure, I'm going to acknowledge it and say, oh, buddy, was that hard for you? And I'm okay with bringing him into that place of uncomfortable. We can, we can talk about how that was uncomfortable. Now, I know that um, the kisses aren't going to be forever, but I sure hope the hugs are. Right? I, sh- I sure hope that displaying the affection never goes away. And I think that feeling that I felt is a little bit what our Father in Heaven feels when, when, when we're unwilling to say kindly no. I think that when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, we're, we're saying that you are, I live my life in the midst of these wonderful people, my family, my friends, but first of all, I live before an audience of one. That's, that's what I live before. And then every time in our lives that we partake in things and we join ourselves to things and ideas and conversations and that don't align with that, I think God feels that same thing in his heart that I felt that day. Now again, this isn't condemning for us. This is awareness. This is, this is us sharing truth about the fact that God is, you know, the Bible describes God as jealous. And we think of that as a negative word. But you think of anyone, you think of your spouse. You think of the unique affection right, that you have between you and your spouse. That there's certain types of affection that are only supposed to be between you. Right? And our, our world is broken because it says you can have those types of affection anywhere that you want. And God, in the same way, is saying the loving, deep loving connection, right? the most sacred, important, lasting type of connection that you can have, we need to have first. And it's out of that connection that you go and connect to the rest of this world. But we got to keep ours connected. And religious leaders came to Peter and said, you need to stop that. And Peter just said, kindly, no. I couldn't if I tried. I don't want to rob you from the uncomfortable. It's important for our lives, for our growth. I want you to feel it. I want you to feel it in, I do the best I can to, to share situations, but you know your world, your workplace, your relationships, what you look at, your thought patterns, your lusts, your desires, everything in between. You know those. You know the ones that align with the teachings of Jesus, and you know the ones that don't. The story we are learning that is really important to take, to take both seriously. It's really important for our faith walk. One, that we would keep a, a healthy connection, a life-giving one between us and Jesus, and two, that these lives would be a witness to those around us, because this is where the kindly comes in. This world is so turned off by religion, by rules, by judgment. A simply standing on the fact that I'm a Jesus follower. And doing that with kindness is in itself an invitation to others. I've shared my story many times, but I had, there was a certain family growing up, a friend of mine, that they never... <laughs> They never forced it down my throat. They just, they witnessed to me through uh, meals and kindness and basketball and joking around and just being human and kind. And then all of a sudden when Jesus became real, when I made the decision, they didn't force me to make the decision. They didn't hold my hand over it. They didn't do any of that. They just lived their life with Jesus as Lord. And then when God, when that decision was represented and presented before me, I'll tell you, that was a little easier to see all the fruit in their life, to say, I want that. I'm not even sure what I'm saying yes to, but I want that too. And so for us as well, friends, that we would have the boldness to say kindly no. But man, we would do that in a way. I wonder if you've thought about your posture. I wonder if you've thought about that, how you will respond. And some of us in the room, we have to be honest, say, I don't really respond ever to be honest. This is, this 90 minutes, by the way, is the only time I say kindly no, and no one else sees it unless I check in on Facebook or something like that, right? 
But the story is, we're here today because 2,000 years ago, Christians said, I'm going to live boldly. I'm going to live boldly. And the invitation has been there. The story didn't end, though. It continues. It says this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, and this, check this out, this is not a mistake, they start with Sovereign Lord. They begin the entire thing. Check out the rhythm, okay? It begins with them being together, praying, encouraging one another, right? And then in the midst of that, they're a part of a man's healing. And in the midst of that, they go right back to teaching and sharing the gospel. And Peter and John are arrested. But because of the fruit that's happened before, there's no condemnation against them. And so what do they do as they're released? They go right back to the place in which this encouragement happens and safety happens. But remember the question asked at the beginning, right? What, what word describes your faith? I think we can all admit that if we say I have a safe faith, that's not exactly the faith I'm to have at all times, right? But sometimes, sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need to go before our fellow brothers and sisters and admit, right? When I was 21 years old, I had come out of a college lifestyle and everything else, and I had like one Christian friend, and he's the only one that understood that I didn't want to do those things anymore, and it was so important that we regularly got together for coffee and just going to dinner. And I could have a space to say, I'm wrestling with this. I know Jesus is leading me that direction and it's really hard. And I feel everyone else pulling me back this direction. And I'm not sure what to do. I need to keep, but I knew, I knew I needed to keep going back to that space where I got encouragement that said, keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. That's how this prayer continues. It says this. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the, the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and this is quoting the Old, Old Testament, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointing. See, this is nothing new. For thousands upon thousands of years, people have rebelled against God. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your service. And this is the important part. To continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the boldness that you have granted to us and we want more. Lord, thank you for giving us the strength and the courage to stand before authorities above us that really could kill us, that could have changed my life, thank you for delivering me from that as you've delivered so many over generations. And I'm not complacent off of yesterday's faith, after, off of yesterday's both faith. Lord, can I have some more? Lord, may, I, may you empower me to continue to be bold in my walk with Christ. Come what may. Most of us are never going to be thrown in prison. We're never going to be drugged before a court, but we are before the court of life every single day. And my hope and my prayer for everyone here is that we would continue to pray for more boldness, even when we are scared. I love, I love that they admit that they, didn't, they don't have enough. I love that that's where it begins. Lord, thank you. We proclaim you as Lord. I need another measure of boldness now. I don't have enough right now, and I need you. And because this is where religion and true following Jesus split ways. See, at this point, religion says, I can keep doing this. I'll just muscle through it. I can. Thanks, Lord, for what you did. I got it from here. And following Jesus and following the, whole, the leading of the Holy Spirit says, Lord, would you continue to empower me? You do the power. I just show up. You're the power. I just keep showing up, keep opening myself to what you're doing in my life and in my midst, in my family, in my friendships, in my workplace. 
You know, if, if you're here this morning, it tells me that you're searching. If you're here this morning, it at least tells me that. If not, you are a devoted Christ follower. If you're here this morning, it, it tells me that there's something real about this, that you trust and that you know that following Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. That you, Some of us, we can't even, we're not even sure how to put it into words, but we just know that there is power in that. I wonder if you started, if right now you just thought about friends or family or coworkers, whoever God puts on your heart that does not know Jesus. And so it's easy in a room like this to be like, yeah, Tony, get them. Those are the bad guys, right? Until we picture their faces and their families and their loved ones and how kind they can be and beautiful. And we realize that we are called into that space. We are, we are called into that battle. Um, I'll close with a story. Uh, my wife and I, because we have a busy week next week, we celebrated Valentine's Day last night and yesterday. And <clears throat> I've never done this before, um, but we went and got a couple's massage yesterday, which I highly recommend, by the way, okay? I've had one other massage in my entire life, and I fell asleep through it, and I felt like I was gypped the whole time. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty cool because the whole thing was about an hour and a half long, and you go in there, and they take you back to this locker room, which is weird, and they give you this heated robe, right, to put on, and I'm like just sitting there touching the robe the whole time because it feels so good, <laughs> right? And they bring, so they bring me and my wife into this room, and the, like the massage, whatever, things are over here, but they sit us on this couch, and there's these bowls with hot water in them, and they sit us down, and they say, put your feet in the bowls, and they give us, like, chocolate-covered strawberries, and then they leave, and honestly, I mean, the massage was good, but honestly, I didn't care if they came back, right, especially if you have kids, like, (laughs) this (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I didn't care if they would have given me, like, a two-week-old, like, gummy worm at, at that point. It didn't matter, all right? This peace and this silence, I, oh, my gosh, right? Uh, and you're there just long enough to forget that there is an outside world. Like, there's actually people out there, right? I'm just like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave, Right? And it was such a, and I encourage, man, rest is an important thing. We don't talk about that enough in our culture, but rest is really important for our souls and our relationships especially. It was good for, man, it was so good for my wife and I. Really blessed to do that. We actually drove away, and she said as we, um, as we drove away, she goes, how blessed are we? How many people don't get to experience that? And it was just like, because my wife is like, she's like the Holy Spirit normally next to me. Like, she's just bringing truth all the time, and it's my choice if I listen to it. And I was just, I, could, I haven't been able to stop thinking about that. Like, how blessed are we to experience that? But the reality is, I don't live there. Like, I, I go for a small amount of time there, and then I go back into the rest of my world. So we, gosh, it's so important that we enjoy each other. But friends, we are called into a battle. And remember who this battle is against. It's not against your friends. It's against darkness. Right? And more that we show this light off, we push back the darkness. We don't live as if the battle isn't there. As we see through the stories of Scripture, it's right in front of us. We see in little stories like Tony Dungy, my son's wrestling, it's everywhere. And we are in it every single day. Every decision we make, I pray that you feel the weight of that. I, I pray that you, you understand that it's not me doing the heavy lifting or the other people in this room, that every single one of us have, have a part to play in that because when every single one of us speaks boldly, we have one bold voice. Now, when you look at the book of Acts, and our story ends with this, the same, it's, it, you see, there's a reason the author shares certain things, okay? This is almost a mirror to to what was shared already in Acts chapter 2. It says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was not his own, 
but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is what a bold voice looks like. It is not exclamation points in all caps online. It is not, not yeah, get them. It's not anger. It is a quiet resilience. It is a quiet resilience. As, as Christians, we are going to have, and we're going to have to have tough skin on the outside. We're going to have to be able to weather criticism and hostility from this world around us. But man, I hope we have tender hearts as we do so, that we don't let the hostility harden us that we allow our hearts to break, that we see most of the time when people are angry, it has more to do with what's going on in their world than anything that I ever did, that I would step into that world and be willing to see them right where they're at, and maybe the church has hurt them, and maybe faith in some way is scary to them, and we can stop and listen with kindness. There's a posture I want to just present today, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. I'm going to throw a picture up on the screen. There's a Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> it's called Saying Grace. And if you look at this picture, it's really just, it says so much, so beautiful. Art is amazing. Uh, and we worship the best artist, right? But you have this picture, it looks like a crowded diner, and I'm not even sure the time frame, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and you see these two young men, and this, I identify with these young men. I was these young men, right? Looking on at everyone else. You're the center of the world. They're smoking in the diner drinking their coffee, reading their magazine. And then you have this grandmother, what seems to me a grandmother with her grandson. And they have a choice. In the midst of this diner, there's, there's noise. You, you guys have been to a crowded diner before. You've experienced this. There's noise. And there's these young men looking on across that clearly are not followers of Jesus. And I have a choice. What am I going to do? And grandma says, kindly no to the noise. And she says, right now, with just our simple and humble prayer, we will proclaim that Jesus is Lord and we will thank him for our food. Friends, I hope that's our posture. I hope that that is our posture. It begins with that posture in this world. Again, every circumstance we get into is different, but I pray that we start with this one. Kindly know. Kindly know I will not stop sharing about Jesus kindly know we will not stop gathering together. Kindly know in our gathering together, we will bring our brokenness together. We will come together for encouragement from one another and then send each other out because this is not just going to be a place that we sit and rest because we are called into a battle. Darkness and light. Kindly know. I pray that we would be one bold voice. I pray, Lord, friends, I want you to actually tell the truth. Are you right now? Are you bold in your faith? And then your job is to figure out, if I am not, what does that mean next? What do I do next? What is my version of bold faith going to be? I am a pastor. I am built to do this. I am to share. I am to talk. Anyone that's met me my entire life, if I had a job not talking, they'd be like, what's wrong with you, right? My wife, on the other hand, and she's that. She's that picture. Right? What are you? How does your boldness show up in this world? So I'm just going to pray for us, and we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship here today. Um, I'm going to pray a prayer of boldness over us. And as I pray, I do this often. Is I just think there's something beautiful in collective prayer. As I, as I pray it, I pray that you just in your heart pray it as well that you, as you say it yourself, you're agreeing. You're saying, amen, I, I agree, I'm, I'm with this. It's not just me about you. You're, we're participating together. So I just want to pray this, and maybe you close your eyes, and maybe you would just focus on this, and maybe as I, for us, invite boldness in, maybe you would agree with that. Maybe you would invite that in today. And you bow your heads.
Father, we sit in your presence. We, pro we proclaim that Jesus is Lord to begin with. We proclaim with boldness that we are healed and set free by you, our faithful King. And that we know that we can depend on you, for you always stand by your word. Help us to build our confidence as we draw near to you. Teach us to spread your message boldly across the land with kindness and love. That we and everyone that we are in contact with would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's in your son's holy name I pray. Amen.